Put your two hands on the hurl podcast. 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 Hello, everyone, and you're very welcome to the second episode of the Two Hands on the Hurl podcast. Uh, I am Anthony Cullerton, and joining me this morning on the podcast is the man who last week completely lost all his dignity when he claimed that he was the sexiest man alive. It's Mark Ryan, live from Belgium. Morning, How are you, Mark? Morning, Joe. Come in, Trevor. <laughs> ah, ah Trevor. Trevor. Um, next on the podcast, we have the beast that they really don't want in the southeast. It's Liam O'Neill. Nice, nice. Happy days. How are the lads? All good. All good. And then we have the camogie coach to the stars. TJ Mills, how are we doing this morning? Good thanks, Anthony. I'm just laughing here, actually, how bad French sounds in a Mullinavath accent. <laughs> <laughs> my, my French is on point. It, it, yeah, it doesn't really sound like French, to be honest with you. It sounds like some sort of foreign language from Mars or something, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> he, he'll get better, in fairness. He's only there four days, so we'll give him a bit of a chance. We'll give him a bit of a chance to, to no, improve. It's actually a week today. Oh, it's a week today, actually. Sorry, yeah, you're right, yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Sunday. Yeah, it's a fact, sorry. Come on. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that my research is, is, is uh, as I say, I just make this up as I go along. Is this so what the right, research? Uh, this is going to be an example how the podcast is going to go now with this episode. This is you pretty much an example of how the podcast everything. is going to go. All stuff. Wait till you get on to the next topic. Disgraceful language. I mean, he, he, he's done nothing there, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> to regain his dignity. I have to be honest with you, but uh, anyway. Um, you're very welcome uh, to episode two. Um, we have a packed show, so we're going to just get straight into it. Um, there's only one place really to start. Um, on Saturday morning, we all woke up to the devastating news of the passing of an Ireland and England legend, uh, Jack Charlton. Um, unfortunately, um, passed away at the age of 85, uh, surrounded by his family. Um, on behalf of the Two Hands of the Horror podcast, we just want to pass on our condolences to the um, Charlton family, and um, we're going to dedicate the opening few minutes here to um, to a man who's given us all amazing memories and um, moments that we'll never forget. Um, personally, um, I first started watching soccer um, when I was probably five or six years of age. The first real memory I have of Jack Charlton is work of 94, Giant Stadium. Uh, the game against Italy, the Ray Houghton goal, um, unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, just a moment we'll never forget. Um, it's probably my standout um, Ireland and Jack Charlton moment to date. And um, yeah, just devastating news, devastating news. Um, and I just passed it over to Mark here now, Mark. Uh, yeah. Obviously, a legend, a legend has passed. Yeah, sure. I was born in 1996, and that was the year he would have finished up in Ireland. But, like, um, I would have grown up knowing all about him. My father was always telling me about, like, how that Ireland team back then should have done way better. As in, they were similar to, like, say, the golden era of England when, like, sort of Lampard, Gerard, Skold, Rooney are playing. They should have done better. That Ireland team was similar to that squad. But um, my father was always telling me about, about... all days in the pubs, every single match, and Ireland fans going crazy. So it was kind of, I wish I was a part of this back then. But yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a pure legend of a man. Like, so he's like, you know, you know yourself and all that. What was he? With lead for all of one, one man club, a lead, I think, or something like that. Not many players do that. One man club. Way. 
Yeah, I mean, just uh, to just before I bring in uh, Liam and TJ, just to give you a few a bit of background for maybe some of our younger listeners who who may not have been like yourself, Mark, who may have come in at the end of of Jack's career. Um, in his football career, he was centre back uh, for Leeds, six hundred twenty nine appearances, seventy goals, incredible record for a centre back. Oh, yeah. uh, Thirty five appearances for England, six goals. Again, not a bad record for a centre back at all. Um, he managed Middlesbrough. Um, 1973 to 77 um, led him to the Division 2 Championship managed Sheffield Wednesday to promotion from the 3rd Division to the 2nd Division um, but I went back to Middlesbrough in 1984 as caretaker for a year then taking over from 84 to 85 as Newcastle United manager um, before then taking his probably defining role um, with the Republic of Ireland in 1986 to 1996 led Ireland to their first international tournaments Euro 88 World Cup 1990 obviously Italian 90 and uh, USA 94 um, obviously the most the biggest trophy he won in his career was World Cup 1966 with, with England uh, incredible achievement mm. Football League second division uh, won the Football League first division 68-69 um, won the FA Cup Football League Cup Intercities Cup in 67-68 and 1970 FWA Footballer of the Year, 1967, English Football Hall of Fame, 2005, PFA Team of the Century, it was named in 2007, and English Manager of the Year, 1974. I mean, just the, the, the accolades, just they just keep rolling. I can go on, I can go on, and go on, but that's just some highlights for people who, yeah. who may not know the inside story of Jack Charlton, but just an incredible, incredible man. Um, yeah, Liam, um, again, you're, you're, you're on the younger side of, of, of the, the Jack Charlton um, period, but... Still, uh, no doubt, you've heard many stories about the man over the years. Ah, uh, yeah, as you said, completely I'm on the younger side. But um, yeah, look, lads, I'm I'm absolutely learning here. Obviously, I knew he he would have coached Ireland back in the day, but um, yeah, I I am absolutely learning because I have no idea about football or anything. So uh, I'm gonna let you start talking on this because uh, <laughs> honestly. Um, I'm going to act like a listener here because um, you're you're just you're you're learning me, lads. You're learning me. <laughs> Can I just point out one fact there? Actually, I actually I didn't notice that uh, he won the uh, Icelandic Triangular t- Tournament in ni- in the 1986 with Ireland. Yeah, with Ireland. Yeah, that's right. That so yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, um, it's a. Uh, it's incredible, really. I mean, as I say, we've we've just touched on some of his achievements there. I mean, he's um, yeah, it's been incredible. Even his managerial record as regards his win percentages, it's very very impressive with all the clubs he was with. He's 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 a he's achieved success with every team he's managed and with every team he was playing with, which is there are very very few who can claim such a record. Um, T, you're um, obviously of a similar vintage to myself. Um, you would have grown up. Um, in the glory years of the Charlton era, um, I'll leave the, the final words to yourself. Yeah, no, I mean, it just summed up where Ireland was at that time. If you think about it, we wouldn't remember, but Ireland were in the midst of a dire recession. Uh, everyone was on about the recession of the 80s where hundreds of thousands had to emigrate. But Irish soccer was nearly in the same doldrums because they... They didn't qualify for a major tournament before. They were very unlucky under, say, the likes of Johnny Giles and that they had some outstanding performances, but they always seemed to come up short. 
And as was said there about the, as uh, sorry, the tournament they won when Jack Charlton took over, that kind of set the tone for it that they beat Iceland and they beat Czechoslovakia in that tournament. And that kind of gave the, the players a bit of confidence. And uh, in the trailer yesterday, it, I listening, say, to the documentaries about the Charlton era and all of that, it seemed to go with the social economic kind of area in Ireland at that time. As I was saying, Irish soccer was in a bad place. Um, the Irish economy was in a bad place. But then things started coming around. Euro 88 things were kind of bits of bright lights being seen. Italia 90 people were going into credit unions, borrowing loans, following the Irish team. And then USA 94. I mean, Irish soccer were on top of the world. I mean, go back to, I mean, Ray Houghton's goal against England in 88. But Ray Houghton's goal against the Italians in USA 94 really just showed that Ireland was emerging like in every aspect. And I think not only say as the soccer republic, I think as even people that didn't support soccer greatly benefited from Jack Charlton being manager of the Irish team. Absolutely, absolutely. Well said, T. Um, yeah, he took us from being the minnows of international football to a team that was... It's, it's, it's not overstating to say people feared us. People did not like playing against Ireland. We were a tough, tough opposition for any football team. And I think that was just testament to the man. And um, yeah, Jack, on behalf of all of us, um, rest in peace and thank you so much for the memories and for everything you've done for football in this country. Well said, well said. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move on. Um, we're going to stay with football for a little while. Um we're going to talk about our player of the year, the Premier League player of the year. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> I, I don't think you'll have to um, stretch your imagination too far to find the team that Mark is going to pick the player from. But obviously, Mark is very biased towards Liverpool. Um, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I'm not like that. I'm not like you. United forward. Well, I, unlike you, I don't have a tattoo of Liverpool on my arm. So, uh, yeah, I don't have any United tattoos. So I, um, it's just not Liverpool, it's Liverbird. Yeah, it's poor taste. So, yeah, um, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. So we're going to talk a little bit about our player of the year. Um, we're all, we all have um, various opinions. Hmm. And I'm going to start with mine. Because uh, the nominations will be out in the next couple of weeks, and um, obviously there won't be an awards ceremony this year, but the player will be announced um, shortly as the Premier League will be drawn to a close in the next couple of weeks. So my player, uh, Premier League Player of the Year, is the brilliant Kevin De Bruyne, uh, the 29-year-old from Man City, um, just, just an unbelievable player. 11 goals a season, 18 assists. Hasn't been City's best season. They're obviously way, way, way behind Liverpool. Um, there's yeah, no dispute in that. But... <laughs> but Kevin De Bruyne is just, in my opinion, probably the most informed player in the world right now. Um, should be in contention for the Ballon d'Or this year. Mm-hmm. Mark, you're going yeah. to come in there, yeah? <laughs> uh, like, you have people going on to Henderson there. He probably... He should be up there for the Premier League Player of the Year. Where like Not a hope. you can't you can't deny that he's been playing well, but I I wouldn't give it to him. 
No. Then you could go with likes of Nana. He's been absolutely sensational. He should be thrown in the mix. I, I, it's for me. It's a toss up between Van Dyke and Kevin De Bruyne. Um, it, it it really depends. Like Kevin De Bruyne, obviously, I he'd be going to any team in the world. I'd I'd absolutely love him, and he he deserves it. But then, like, it wouldn't it be great for a centre back to win? It also, he he also deserved two Van Dyke. But I'm no. I really don't know. I, I, I don't know who would pick from the two of them, really. I know who would pick. Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> but, like, you say that, but, like, at the same time, like, Liverpool won by 23 points. Yeah, Kevin De Bruyne's probably the best player in the league, but 23 points is a big difference. Then I know it's, it's an individual award as well. It's not a team performance, so, like, you can't, you can't really say, oh, Liverpool won the league, so Van Dyke must get it because of that. So, and because of that, I probably would go with Kevin De Bruyne. I think it's wow. It's an individual award, not a team award. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Ryan has just thrown Virgil Van Dyke under the bus <laughs> and reversed back over him. My God. No. Liam. No. Where are we going with your award? With my award, we're actually going to go with Google, right? <laughs> as I said, as I said, I haven't a clue, right? So um. The two of you are pretty much on the button. So I kind of Googled it and there's two players that are standing out the most, which is Jordan Henderson and Kevin De Bruyne. And that is as much as I can say on that because I don't, I'm not even 100% sure about De Bruyne. Who's he with? Man City, is it? Yeah. 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 So like, we're already beyond my limits of expertise here, lads. I'm doing well to pronounce their names right. See, um, if if it was the best, it was the best performer, or like the best, like um, the best improver, you'd have to give it to Henderson. But like, no, I disagree. The best improver, no, that's what I mean. Like Kevin De Bruyne has been no. consistent for years. Jordan Henderson is the most overrated. If Jordan Henderson was Irish, he wouldn't even kick a ball in the Premier League. He's not even overrated. He's underrated. He's way overrated. <laughs> If Jordan Henderson wins Player of the Year, it completely makes the farce of the award. I do agree because, like, it's not the best best improver. It's the best player. If it was like, the best improver, if you, if you, um, like a headless chicken. If you can understand my English, it's the be- I, I said the best improver, not the best player. Well, if you're going to go with the best improver, it has to be Scott McTominay or Marcus Rashford. Scott McTominay. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You are a funny boy. All right, boys, boys, we're going to cut you, go, cut you off here, right? TJ. Oh, my God. TJ, what is your player of the year? Yes. Go on, tell me it's Jordan Henderson or Kevin DeBrain. It better not be, or I'm going to cut this whole podcast can I just guess, off. Can I guess first? Is it Scott McTominay? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Kevin DeBrina, um being honest, for consistency. Um, and that's it. But one player that will never ever be thought of is a goalkeeper and one lad that I think deserves great credit this year is Nick Pope uh, Burnley yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean up to yesterday just up to yesterday alone uh, 14 clean sheets and 154 saves the next goalkeeper Alison in Liverpool uh, 13 clean sheets and 54 saves so I go for Kevin De Bruyne but if it was to go against the curve, mm. I'd say for goalkeeping alone, you'd have to be looking at Nick Pope. 
how Gareth Southgate it doesn't consider him English number one after performances this year. I don't know, but um, yeah, that'd be my opinion. That's I would have said Dean Henderson over Nick Pope now. Well, he's been very impressive as well, but I do, yeah, I mean, Nick Pope and, and Dean Henderson have been the two standout goalkeepers. But we're just going to keep it on topic for a moment because we're going to come to our team of the year shortly um, and we can have a bit more of a discussion then um, about the goalkeepers. But, um, so we're going to say the two hands in the hurl podcast player of the year this year is Kevin De Bruyne. Yep. I agree with that. Yeah. And I'm also shocked that we all just agreed. I don't understand what happened? What's going on? Yeah, well, the team of the year is coming up, so it's not. It's going to be short-lived disagreement. I have to say. Oh, because we're going to have another argument. I, I'm going. I to can't guess. wait to tell you how wrong you're going to be with your teams. To be fair, but anyway, I can't wait to uh, tell you how right you are. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're going to tell me I'm right. That's that'll make a change. Okay, so Kevin De Bruyne has got his two hands in a hurl, guys. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Um, a date in history on the 12th of July, which is a Sunday, you're hearing this on a Monday, but uh, on the 12th of July at 11.28 when we're recording this, we've just agreed on something. So mark that date in history because that is something I've never seen before. So uh, yeah, cool. Let's move on to team of the year. Now... I will start with mine because I'm the loudest voice in the room here, obviously, um, and because I'm usually the voice of reason and uh, you can, sort of you can, sense. You can't talk about yourself. Someone has to, that's self self praise and no praise. Man, self praise is the only praise you're gonna get. You know what I mean, like you know, who else gives it to you? Like to be fair, so especially um, around here, especially around <laughs> here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with with with, with showing up, his um complete lack of knowledge of soccer. I have to say, it, it was quite it was quite satisfying to see him just searching for words. Uh, for anyone who's not familiar, Liam is our resident rugby expert, so normal service will be resumed once we actually start talking about rugby, and Liam will be able to show that he actually has some modicum of intelligence um racking around in that massive head and ego of his. That big so, six foot two tank head. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm so brave saying this because I'm actually about 40 miles away from Liam's house right now. If I was sitting beside Liam, I'd be an awful lot nicer because um, <laughs> he could probably pick me up and break me over his uh, over his leg in two seconds. He has to get a flight to Belgium and quarantine in 14 days. He wants to come at me. <laughs> <laughs> actually, to break it up a little bit before we, before we go on to team of the year, Mark, how's life in Belgium? It's, um, it's great now, to be fair. I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. I'm very tired still because... Like it's it's an hour ahead over here a little bit. You'd be an hour ahead, be ten hours ahead. You kind of have to adjust to um time anyway, though. But um, no, I'm not. I'm loving it. The weather, the weather is great over here. It's similar to Ireland, but I find it more consistent. If that makes sense, as in like you actually you don't get the four seasons in one day. That's our idea. But um, I only make a change. I only have one question for you, Mark. What are the waffles like? <laughs> uh, yeah, they're decent enough. I, I'd recommend. I, I would recommend. Would you recommend me flying over there just for a waffle? Oh yeah. Me, be, me being a foodie. Oh yeah. Would, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely would. Um, I'll be honest with you. I haven't really got much of a chance to proper see the place yet because I've been working and studying so much and. I'm, I'm absolutely knackered from doing that, but um, 
so yeah, I love I'm sure I'm drinking nearly every night when I'm finished for. That's what it is. It's weird because um over in Ireland places are only after getting back what last Monday realistically. And they're open here for about a month and people you can go out drinking with the last month and in Ireland you still can't go out drinking. So that was a bit odd. So yeah, you can actually go to a pub and get pissed. Which was quite nice. Yeah, so the reason Mark is very tired this morning, ladies and gentlemen, is because he's been on the lash for the last week. <laughs> no, 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 but all jokes aside, no, I, I, I've, been, I've been hard at work and trying, trying to study, brush up my French and and actual, and actual city itself. It, it, my head is a bit, a bit sore, though, but I'm, but I'm absolutely loving it here. It's, I'm after meeting great people already, so I have everything. The men are beautiful, the women are beautiful. What can I say? What about the men? What about the men? Just, just, just to keep it balanced, like you know what I mean, like you know. Yeah, I do. All right. <laughs> well, you're constantly checking us out, Mark. Let's be honest. So I mean, like you know, it would be unlike you not to be checking out anything. I, I am in Europe. All, I am in Europe. <laughs> 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 you're keeping your options open. Yeah, we. <laughs> I have to say, your 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 Kenny accent in French is really doing the language justice. Oh, do you want me to follow my French accent? I can do that if you want. Depends. Oh yeah, go on. Give it. Give us your best Joey Barton there. I'll just go something simple like uh, oh, bonjour, uh, come into ça va, uh, je m'appelle Mark. Something simple like that. That's your French accent. It's better than your French accent. Well, holy mother of Jesus, we're all fucking screwed, lads. That, That's... that actually that sounded more Mullinavat. Hey. It did. That sounded that sounded pure Mullinavat like. You know what I mean? That's Mullinavat and the Saturday night standing outside the local pub. That's what that is like. It probably sounds weird because the connection from Ireland to Belgium now. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, the connection. Yeah, yeah, it's the connection there. Oh, yeah, it probably does. Because so many people are saying yeah. to me, oh, you speak French. I was like, not really. I'm just speaking in a French accent. Because it's actually, if you speak in a French accent, it's actually half the battle nearly. So it is. There's some Irish people over here that are, they're speaking French in like um, an Irish accent. It sounds so odd. You can't even understand them though. But it's literally, if you put on the accent, it's so much easier. Even the locals understand you. Really? Wow, that's amazing because I can't understand you. So I don't know how the locals are going to understand you. But anyway. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> point. Yeah. To, to quantify the Joey Barton reference, uh, if anyone's familiar with Joey Barton, um, when he was in Marseille, uh, he famously did an interview where he put on a French accent, even though he was talking in English. So, um, yeah, uh, Joey Barton, famously from uh, North England, was starting to talk like, uh, a little bit maybe uh, is this week in uh, the football. We will be talking uh, a little bit like this, and uh, it will be uh, a sort of French accent, a sort of something like this. That's what he was going on about, basically. So, um, yeah, um, Mark obviously is a long way off that yet. So... He's aiming for Joey Barton, don't worry. He's aiming for Joey Barton. So we'll get there eventually, Mark, won't we? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Team Go of the year. <laughs> team of the year. Um, okay. So my team of the year. Premier League team of the year. Goalkeeper is Nick Pope. Uh, 14 clean sheets a season, 154 saves. Um, has to be England's number one going forward, I think. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, you're going to make a case for Jordan Pickford, are you? No, go on, continue. You're making me laugh. Okay, okay, fair enough. Um, right back will be Trent Alexander-Arnold. As much as it kills me to pick a Liverpool player, there's no denying this 21-year-old um, 
is is a superstar in the making. Um, three goals a season, twelve assists. Um, being probably Liverpool's best attacking option. Um, despite the wealth of talent that they undoubtedly have in the squad at the moment, uh, hopefully that depth of talent will start leaving the club and going to somewhere with with a bit more class shortly. Um, but uh, yeah, my right back would be Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, I'm going with a four-one-four-one. By the way, just to let you know the formation I'm going with. So um, my centre back partnership is number one Virgil Van Dijk. Again, another Liverpool player. I can't believe this, but anyway, yeah, it's another Liverpool player. Twenty-nine-year-old uh, Dutch defender, four goals, one assist. Believe it or not, from centre back this season. Um, but just it's it's the it's the stability he brings at the back. Um, yeah. He just makes any defender beside him, even Dejan Lovren. I mean, <laughs> he makes Dejan Lovren look good. That takes some fair doing, to be fair to him. So, Virgil van Dijk, for that reason alone, has to go on the team. But he has been the standout centre-back this season. Uh, alongside Virgil van Dijk, I'm going with James Tarkovsky uh, from Burnley. Um, being another standout player for Burnley this season. Uh, um, I mean, Sean Dice just uh, keeps Burnley ticking away so well in the Premier League. It's, it's actually crazy, considering he's on a shoestring budget. But the 27-year-old, um, two goals and two assists this season, believe it or not, uh, for centre-back, but just is so solid. Um, maybe not as good on the ball as Van Dijk. He's not as good on the ball as Van Dijk, but will put his head in where most people wouldn't put their foot. And you, you need that. You need those defenders who are willing to make the sacrifices. Left-back will be Ben Chilwell of Leicester City. Uh, 23-year-old, three goals, three assists. A lot of people will be arguing Andrew Robertson should be in the team, but I think just for improvement alone, Ben Chilwell has been a star of the season. I mean, if we go back to the football before the lockdown, um, Leicester's form in the last few weeks has dipped a little, and I think that's kind of overshadowed um, Chilwell's reputation this season. But I do think um, before the lockdown came in, he was definitely being talked about as one of the left, best left-backs in England. And... Um, Definitely one of Leicester's standout players. And in fairness, Leicester in four players. No one's seen that coming this season. So let's be honest, he deserves to be in the team. Um, our defensive midfielder is Fabinho. Uh, 26-year-old, two goals, three assists for Liverpool. Jordan Henderson. about Jordan Henderson. Jordan Henderson is rubbish if Fabinho's not in the team. Jordan Henderson doesn't even come close to being in any team of the year. He's lucky to be in the Liverpool team. He should be probably playing for Sunderland still. Uh, let's be honest. Um, I think he's completely overrated. And personally, I think he's useless. Uh, perfectly honest with you. Um, Fabinho makes this man look good. And Gigi Wijnaldum makes him look good. Um, so Fabinho, for that reason, makes my team of the year. Sadio Mane, I'm going to put as my sort of right attacker. Uh, 28 years old, 16 goals, 7 assists a season for Liverpool. The final Liverpool player I have in my team, thank God, there's four of them and it killed me to pick four of them. But um, Sadio Mane is the best of the three attackers Liverpool have, I think. Um, I I think Mo Salah can be overrated at times. I mean, great goal scoring record, but I do think Sadio Mane is a standout performer and I think he makes, well, Firmino, or Firmino especially, he makes him look good. Uh, Firmino's goal scoring record this season has been poor, let's be honest. Um, uh Midfield pairing, I'm going to go Kevin De Bruyne, obviously, my player of the year. 29 years old, seven, uh, 11 goals, 18 assists. He's a man that makes Man City tick. Um, he's probably the only player in Man City this season, you could say, is really performing at the peak of his powers. Alongside Kevin De Bruyne, I'm putting in Scott McCommon on my team. Um, he's 
he's a boy that's become a man this season for Man United. Standout performer, physically a lot more imposing. Um, four goals, one assist as well. Um, can help Fabinho out as a defensive midfielder. So on balance, he's he's definitely he's there. Um, and on my left attacker, then I'll go Marcus Rashford, twenty-two years old, fifteen assists or fifteen goals, seven um, six assists. Has really come out of the shadow and uh, stepped forward this season and really been a standout performer. Um, Unlucky that he got injured. Um, probably would have had an even better goal scoring turn if he hadn't got injured um, for the lockdown. But has come back and um, is playing really, really well. Um, and then there's only one striker we can really put in the team. Uh, for me, it's Jamie Vardy. The man just doesn't get old. 33 years of age, 22 goals, four assists this season for Leicester City. Single-handedly has put Leicester City in the Champions League places, you could say. Um, and there's not really much more we can say about Jamie Vardy. He's just... The man just does not get the man just does not get old. Um, so the team overall has eighty two goals, fifty four assists. I think that team would be any team in maybe Europe. So um, that's my team of the year. <laughs> I dare you to do better. Oh my god, you are funny. What? Scott McTominay. <sighs> yeah, who are you going to put in there? Not Scott McTominay. <laughs> Scott McTominay, yeah, because you don't have any taste. Oh, okay, right, let's, oh, I actually don't want to think now, I'm baffled by your uh, Scott McTominay. Right, Mark, <laughs> one up me then, go on, let's, let's, see, let's see how good you are. Okay, um, so Dean Henderson for Sheffield, obviously, I, I think he's fantastic, I think he's after doing better than, um, you said Nick Pope, I think, wasn't he? Um, yeah. Uh, just, like, is, he, is he on um, loan from United? Am I wrong? Yes, he is. I don't think for much longer, to be honest. I wouldn't be at all surprised this season if David De Gea moves from United and we bring back Dean Henderson. I think that would be the clever move right now, but yeah. we'll have to wait and see. I, I, I think he's absolutely fantastic. I'm going, oh, sorry, I'm going for a... Uh, what formation am I going for? I'm going to stick a 4-4-2. Four, four, uh, no, we'll go 3-5-2. We'll go um, right back. Oh, no, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll say that. But um, Robertson... Right wing back. Hmm? Your right wing back, right you want to say, for three five two, yeah. Right centre back, there we go. Okay. Um, we'll go over Trent. You, you can't, you can't say much better than that. No, really, like, like it's mm. pure. It's, he's just a revelation. Um, Any chance Wan Bissaka was going to make that team? I like him, but he just like he's more defensive. It, it depends what you're looking for. More defensive or attacking mm. player, really, though. But like Trent can kind of do. He can do. All like he's better at attacking, he can defend, but he's better at attacking. Uh, Man, you would be kind of jealous of the options that England have a right back, though, wouldn't you? In fairness, oh. I mean, you're not going to be let down by either of them, let's be honest. They're both England, England have a fantastic young squad at the moment, like, yeah. I, they, should, they should be doing well in the, in the coming as years. As much as it pains us to admit that, yeah, <laughs> very true. So, we've um, yeah, we'll have Trent there. And then obviously you can't you have you have to put in Van Dijk like it's just for what two seasons in a row now he's been mm. best defensive player and all that like so yeah. it'd be criminal to not put him in. Well, it won't go that far, but yeah, okay. <laughs> so and then oh, I was kind of stuck between this for my with this choice, but I would go over Carlo Pereira for Leicester. He's probably mm. been the I you can nearly say probably bet. Fairly up on par with Trent. He's been playing absolutely. Yeah, but he's right fantastic. back. But yeah, okay, so you're playing right back, centre back. Yeah, that should be but, interesting. Yeah. 
So they were like that. Well, like they're five, they're five ten. He's five ten, so he'll, he'll do a job. He's fast. So it was like that. Like yeah, I think he tops the tackles this season. With something, something. He's, he's yeah, just ahead of Warren Womack actually. Yeah, which yeah. is pretty pretty impressive as well. And for Leicester, so it is. That's my three at the back, and then I'm gonna bang through these quickly. Um, De Bruyne midfield 100% has to be in there. You said it all. Partner with Henderson in the midfield. Bang. Um, oh, God. I love that you laugh that, but you don't laugh at Scott McTominay. But anyway. <laughs> because Scott McTominay is an actual player. If you put Jordan Henderson in the Man United team, holy God, we can see about 55 goals. Um, <laughs> and I'd go for Mane in the left wing. Says, well, can we do much better than that? And then see, I get confused with these few P players now. I'm going to leave my right wing to last, but up front, I would do Rashford. I really I enjoy watching him. I, I, I love him at Liverpool. I think he's a fantastic player. <laughs> Best of luck. So he's like that. Um, and then I'm actually going to throw in Scott McCominay. Bruno Fernandes <laughs> just behind the striker. I, See, I was going to do that, and then I was I know like, he's, he's only been, played 10 games, yeah, but yeah. he has been a revelation. He has, he has, yeah. I know he's only been there since January, but I really wanted him at Liverpool. I've been following him there for the last two years when he was over in Portugal for sporting, and I really, really like him. And he's been your best player, I think, this season, and that's for United, and that says a lot, even though he's been there since January. He's so, not really your type, though, Mark. I mean, you don't normally go for a guy with a beard. True. He's cool. I know. I like him. I, I I like him so much. So yeah, I think he's a fantastic player. And you, you're you're Man United are looking at him. But I uh, move on. We're talking too much. I get. I don't know the right wing. I'm getting lost in the right wing though. But um, I, I trust Salander. You kind of you kind you kind of have to. You can't not put him in. So it is. So that is my quick team there now. And Liam. Liam is going back to confer with Google on this one, lads. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, like a lot of what just to make the team of the year, don't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not this one, not this one. <laughs> Nearly did. He was he was yeah, he was yeah, he's first first sub, first alternative. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You're yeah. defensive midfielder there, like yeah, you're your midfield enforcer. Yeah. But um yeah, honestly, I'm not even sure what fucking formation I went with here, lads. But uh I'll talk you through it. So Google was saying Dean Henderson in the goal. I know one of you said that already. Um, I'm going to agree. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. You. Outstanding ads. Outstanding. Mr. Google's amazing. <laughs> um, I think next would be right back, if I'm not mistaken, with Alexander Arnold. Um, the two centre-backs came up as Virgil van Dijk and Mustafi. Am I pronouncing that right? We Mustafi. <laughs> that is funny though. I don't agree with Mustafi, funny. but yeah, oh okay. my god, yeah. Mustafi, the biggest disaster ever in a defensive center back. You're oh my god, me. you're not laughing at me. You're laughing at Google. All right? Not you and Google. We're laughing at <laughs> um, yeah. We're just laughing in general. To be honest with you, like that's hilarious. Mustafi. All right, we'll move on. We'll move on. Right. Uh so where were we? Left back would Left be back. Andy Robertson. Um, we'll move on to midfielders then, which came up as Jordan Henderson and Rodri. Oh, I couldn't find oh, a, a surname or a first name for Rodri. Oh, it is Rodri, yeah, yeah, it is. yeah. Rodri, yeah. 
Fucking okay, name is that, lads? <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think they're kind of put in there as like kind of defensive midfielders, more yeah. so for their their passing will be what's kind of setting them apart there. Um, so then I think there's like, is it three attacking midfielders coming up next? Yeah, and a striker, and then, yeah. And then a striker, yeah. So the middle guy in the attacking midfielders was De Bruyne. Um, again, as you said, Anthony, how many assists and how many goals has he got there? Yeah, 11 goals, um, 18 assists, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Google said the same, yeah. Um, <laughs> so then we had, is a right attacker, kind of midfielder there, was, came up as Salah. And do, 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 where are we next? Is your left attackers came up as kind of two lads. And honestly, I couldn't choose because I haven't a clue. It came up as Saudi Omane and Marcus Rashford as the two kind of yeah. in there for that position. So you can fight yeah. over that, lads, I if agree, you want. Yeah. It's Rashford, yeah, it has to be Rashford. Over Mane? Right. Yeah. Hmm. Let's keep going, let's keep going, guys. Let's keep going. Keep we won't going. down. Yeah. The striker, the striker saw came up as Jamie Vardy. Of course. I mean, it's not a bad team apart from Henderson and um, Mustafi. Just, that's amazing. Oh, Mustafi is a disaster waiting to happen at the best thing. T, you're unusually quiet there. <laughs> not me, Martin. Not me, Martin, lads. Um, I know, just listening there, um, I'm going to go with, say, you know, like the Sunday game team of the year. Uh, I was fairly tempted to put on Murphy in at number one there. And then I went, <laughs> <laughs> ah, you'd have to go with Ender Roland. Come on. <laughs> Well, I have allegiances, heavy leaks as well, so yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like funny was, joke, funny joke. Uh, I'm not going to go for positions. I'm just going to players that impress me and try and be patriotic as well in one decision. Anyway, uh, as I was saying, nomination for player of the year. If you're looking at a goalkeeper, it'd have to be Nick Pope of uh, Burnley. I go with number one. I go for a four-four-two formation. Uh, the four at the back would be Alexander Arnold, Van Dyke, Matt Doherty, or Wolves. I just like Matt Doherty. I yeah. just delight him. I rate him as a player now. Yeah. And I have to put in another Liverpool player there. I know he's kind of hit and miss this season, but he, he can be magic on his day, Robertson. Uh, midfield four it'd be Mo Salah. I know he's very hit and miss this season. But in games, he's able to get important goals. And I know that wasn't the case yesterday. But if you're kind of needed another two wins to win the league, I say he would have net in a couple yesterday. It's just the, it's just the way things go. Like yeah. uh, the player of the year, De Bruyne, um, yeah, he has to be there. Mane, I mean, I, I agree completely. As a Liverpool fan, I think Mane is a legend. I really do. He. Yeah. The games that Mo Salah doesn't really turn up in, which it happens every player, I think Manny is just yeah. it's the rock there. And I go for Sterling. I'd pick Manny over Salah myself. So anyway. I, yeah, every time, yeah. Uh, I know he wouldn't be a famous choice for Liverpool, but um, I go for Sterling. I just, I, I like him as a player. Like, I, I, I think he's after chipping in with a good, nice bit for Man City this year, and that's why I have to put him in there. Now, like I was saying, positions are all the place. I only picked the 11 that I rated, and two in the forwards, Jamie Vardy. I mean, he's 
outstanding from the time Leicester won the Premier League right up until now. He's just consistent there, and I, uh, any team I'd have, I'd love him on. And Abam Niang of Arsenal, uh, excuse the pronunciation, I'm not, it's not me. Yeah, you're fairly spot on there, Abam Yeah, you're nearly there, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think for for a poor season for Arsenal, he's just he's chipping in again. And yeah, I'd I'd put out that team against anyone, um, mm. being honest. And yeah, I I I'm open to scrutiny. <laughs> Liam, um, what no. was that? What was that um, player uh, TJ said last there? Abamyang. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Bye, Liam. So <laughs> well done, my, well done, uh-huh. my bro. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, Bamiang does deserve to be at a big club, though. I mean, he's he's yeah. he's at a very you know. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not here going to try and justify that United are a big club at the moment. They're they're the potential, but they're not. But Arsenal are seems to be in dire straits. I don't know where where they go next. Um, but a Bamiang, I wouldn't be surprised if he moved on this summer because he's thirty now too. So I mean, it's time to make the the choice. Yep. Do you stay? I agree. I agree. And you know. Do you stay and sacrifice potentially winning trophies or do you, do you, do you take the move now? See, a lot of players form, like so. going to the likes of Arsenal because it's in London. Yeah. And uh, yeah. The, the, the life life in London. That's why a lot of those players were there. Yeah, to be fair, same as Chelsea. Chelsea always had that, that, that kind of draw as well. You know, get guys into London and, you know, living, yeah. living the lifestyle. But, yeah, so um, one good team of the year and three spoofers. But, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so look, we're... Sorry, Heath. <laughs> oh, I forgot with Scott McTominay in my team here. Yeah, Actually. yeah. I mean, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. Like... I know, I'm kind of disappointed. I have to Scott McTominay. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man. Keep an eye out for him. He's, uh, a, he's a player. And he's a podcast. Oh, he does every week. Yeah, like he's a good friend of mine. You know what I mean? Like you know, so I had to put him in the team. In fairness, or he would have broke my legs. So, um, yeah. right. Well, we'll move on. Um. Liam, you're going to take the lead on, on, on this segment. Um, there's there's something you want to talk about this week. Yes, there is. And we are now into my comfort zone and my level of expertise. This week, over the last week or two, the gyms and the pubs have reopened. Hoi, yeah. hoi. On the boys. Uh, that's a win on for On the lads, on the lads, on the lads. <laughs> <laughs> right, so gyms are reopening Obvious are reopened, so um, obviously, yeah, kind of to maintain social distance and stuff. Like, there's still a few things that can't open, or like you need yeah. to move a few things around. So, um, like everything's still at the moment feels all over the place. But um, I'm telling you what, lads, I went in there last uh, last Monday, and I got into a squat rack, and I nearly cried tears of joy. Just to be back in the squat rack under a bar, <laughs> under a bar, you don't know what it feels like. Lads. Good feeling, good feeling. If you haven't missed it for the last four months, you're you're not going to know what it feels like. Ah, oh, boys, pure bliss, pure bliss. I went in terms of training. I went all over the place because I just wanted to try everything once. I went from <laughs> squat. I went from squats, from back squats to deadlifts, Ooh. like. Man, that, that's going to kill your body. But yeah. I didn't care. I did not care. Yeah, I did not care. It was just the feeling, lift something heavy. Lift something heavy, Liam. Apart from those, uh, I had um, 30 kg dumbbells at home throughout the lockdown, and they just didn't go out, lads. Do you find yourself, um, you're, I find myself a lot, um, 
lot weaker now. So I do because I, I I love uh, bench pressing, squatting though, but and it's just you can't do that at home like in like a gym. How how, uh, how are you finding it, like yourself like? Ah uh, well, like say over the last like I've I've trained I'd say five or six times this week now, but like I'm just trying to find um where my ranges are now because yeah. like my my squats before the lockdown I was hitting I think 150 for five reps and now I did a set on Thursday it would have been and I did 120 for two reps and I nearly puked yeah so like yeah that's a fair, that's a fair drop yeah I'm going back a good bit like but um it's been expected it's, trying, it's been months ah yeah it is like, it's been months yeah yeah, but um, like I'm still happy where I'm at at the moment. Like I'm still pretty strong and feeling good, but um, it can be frustrating as well. Like because yeah. training was going really well, my numbers were were going good, my body weight was dropping. But um, uh, coming back into it now, it's like my warm up sets are now my max sets. If that yeah. makes sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to laugh this whole conversation because. When you were talking about doing squats there, I can hear Mark going, oh, yeah, 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 of course. And Mark with chicken legs. I mean, I'd say if Mark squatted 20 kgs, he'd probably break a leg. Like, so, I mean, oh, I'm there now. What? <laughs> it's true. My max squat is actually 135 for one, for two, for one. One, <laughs> for one or two, huh? One. <laughs> for, yeah, one or two kilos. That's what it is, basically, for 135 squats. That's with a belt, so it has to be with a belt. Oh, with a belt. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because, yeah, you'd be, you'd be hardy like that, Mark. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You break my yeah. fucking back. I'm only at 83 kg, 82 kg. I'd just like to say that I lifted all the weights last week. <laughs> all the weights. Yeah, all the weights. There wasn't yeah. any more to put on it. Like, the bar yeah, was just no bent more. over in the hip. Like, and I was just like, I'll take it. <laughs> there are no more weights. <laughs> there are no more weights. Yeah, exactly. It was the lines he had, was it, or That's something? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... So yeah, so I mean, look, the the pubs and the gyms are back. I mean, obviously we can tell by Liam. I mean, Liam's personal trainer, guys. So that's that's you know, it's 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 a passion he has. But what challenges does the industry face going forward, Liam? Um, I think like just for our gym, even it's just trying to get everyone everything back to normal. Like, uh, it's like we have a leisure centre, so like we have a gym and we have say the pool and sauna and whatnot. But at the moment, like we can only have a max amount of number in per every hour, so I, th- I think the number is like twenty in the gym and fifteen in the pool. So like you're trying to open up to everyone, but at the same time you're only allowed that amount of number in, and you have to. Is it financially up. viable at that? Like I mean, your numbers are probably be double that normally, or or triple it even some days on a really busy day. I mean, is it financially viable to run it at that? Um. I'm not really, right now I don't think it is, but like I think the more we get used to, the more it's going to become the norm and the more it will, people will say, oh, yeah, it's just the way it is now, we have to do it this way. And we we'll get more efficient at running it as well as maybe yeah, get the numbers yeah. up that way. Okay. Exactly. We'll just learn to get along. Like. Hmm. Yeah. Um. And the pubs, I mean, we we know Mark's been drinking flour for the last week, but um, so yeah, the pubs weird. in Ireland... It's it's so weird, like, um, you talk about that, you can't wait to get back into it. Is it the 20th, they're properly open, the pubs? 
think. Yeah, well, it's it's not been given the go-ahead as yet. We're waiting to see um, what the... I mean, Dame Street last week in Dublin took the piss, to be honest with you. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, it was just pronged the people. No social distance. Lads just harsing. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, if this kind of crap is going to go on going forward, then, I mean, they're going to shut the whole place down again because that's the, the like, virus is just going to go out of control. What's it like over in Ireland at the moment? Because I, I think I heard something about that. There's a lot of cases coming up in younger people now. Yes, all the cases on Thursday evening were all under all under forty five. Seventy seven percent of them were under twenty five, wow. and it's 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 yeah. I mean that's that's frightening. I mean, look, it was twenty three cases, which people are saying isn't a big deal, but we're getting twenty three cases every day now. Twenty five, I think, yesterday. So the the R number's gone from point four to point seven, and it's gone up to one now, which is quite frightening because okay, it means okay. every person is infecting one other person, which is not something you want to hear. Um, we. We need to get a grip in this country, I think, personally. Um, I don't think we're taking this as serious as we, we should be. People are relaxing. I hear people talking about the virus as if it's gone. Um, it's far from gone. And what people don't realise is the virus can go from being very low to locking down the country in a matter of three weeks. You know, yeah. it's it's it, it can be devastating how quick this thing can spread. And people are just thinking about it like it's... Like it's 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 all over, you know. Oh, post pandemic, and thanks be to God, that's all done. But now we can get back to normal. No, we can't. And anyone who thinks we can is living in a fucking dream world. Let's be honest, because this thing has ravaged the whole of America. It's ravaged Brazil. It's ravaged Ireland in places. It's taken over the UK. It's brought Italy to its look, knees. Look. It's brought France to its knees. I mean, you Tony, know. Tony, I'm going to ask you just one thing. Yes. Do you not? Do you not want just a big creamy pint of Guinness? Yeah, I'd love one, but I, <laughs> I won't be in a pub until I know it's safe, and I don't think it's safe right now. And I'm, I know publicans are going to come back at me and go, well, we have to make a living, and I agree. I agree. I mean, I wouldn't expect anyone to shut down for four or five months, six months. It's, it's not fair. But if we don't have the public acting responsibly, then they're giving the publicans no chance to stay open. If people want points... People have to go out and realise social distance is going to have to be adhered to. You're going to have to be aware of what's around you at all times. Um, and we need to... I just think we need to cop on. You know what I mean? And then we can all enjoy the pubs. Because let's be honest, guys. The pubs are great crack. I mean, we're Irish at the end of the day. We're made for pubs. Made for the feckin' things. Like, I'd love nothing more than for the four of us to go down to a pub on Saturday night and have an argument. Like, to go to all days. You yeah, can start rugby and I tell him why he's wrong and then end up like, you know, in a boxing match and Liam just breaks me up. But I mean, like, that's that's just part of it. I can't wait to get beaten up again by Liam. You You'd know, be surprised he actually isn't that strong. Like, like he, he's a little bitch. He's, oh, yeah, Mark can take says, him, yeah. Says the boy with his little chicken legs. Gwain, well, he's like, chicken legs you know and he's like, that's not true, man. You know it's not squatting, true. Man. Squatting his, uh, his 20kg empty bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark, what's your record against Liam again? It's it's like 0-45 now, I think, I believe, at this point. Is this something like that? Yeah, he, even, he, moved, he moved away to get away from his last match. <laughs> he moved away, but hey, Liam, Liam, he take it all. He take you. He, he take, take it, it, yeah, yeah. I would, buy, I would. Yeah, yeah. I'd give, give you a go. He <laughs> slapped me in the face with a waffle. <laughs> right, no, I'd slap you in the face with a pint of Guinness. There's a pint of Guinness that I can drink over here that you can't. That's what I'll do. <laughs> Ah no, we'll, we'll 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 have plenty of points again. Don't worry, don't worry. Liam will be working out that right arm over time now going forward. So he will like you know he'll have a, a little one kg dumbbell or Guinness and he'll be flat out with it. So he will. Go on, Liam. What but, um, anyway? Yeah. What was I thinking? I was thinking. 
I can't wait to get a creamy point of Guinness with the lads and have an argument with you, a proper argument, face to face. Yeah, where I won't be half as brave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think for face to face, we're all going to have to go over to Mark and uh, argue with him over there. I think so. You know, I think so. We'll, we'll, we'll find himself, in, we'll find him a nice little Belgian boy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, <laughs> and um, you know, Mark will be all happy, like, you know, and they'll, yeah, they'll settle down and I, do not, I, I do feel a little, together. I am getting a small bit sad though because like, I kind of, you know, it's like, when I see, if I see y'all going out you know, home, I'll be a little bit like, ah, oh, I'm here on my own. Like, you know, yeah, I can do all the same things here though, but like, you're not with your, your, your friends and all that. So it's a bit, don't worry, though, Marco. Thank you loads of Snapchats and stuff, so it'll feel like you're really missing out. Yeah. Yeah, so you'll yeah. feel extra lonely then. You know what I mean? Like, don't worry. We'll make you feel as lonely as you want to, like. You know what I mean? That's fine. Yes. That's all I want. TJ, you're very quiet there. Do you want yeah, to... TJ is like a sniper in the background there. He's just waiting to pick us off here, I think, or TJ, yeah. would you like a creamy pint again? <laughs> in my head at the moment is I feel like chicken tonight it's just that <laughs> inspired by Mark's legs <laughs> I know in, um, being honest I, I agree with everything was said which is unusual uh, as you know uh, but I mean I think those scenes up in um, Dublin last weekend I mean I think that's an isolated incident um, if we woke up this morning to see videos or on the news again that people were acting needed again I'd be deeply concerned um, I I agree completely I mean as much as I'd enjoy a pint as anyone and I think there's nothing like a pint in a pub um, I, I TJ, just... TJ loves his uh, his gin with berries lads that's oh. what TJ is that's what TJ is dying for <laughs> you gin for berries gin, gin and elderflower gin and elderflower there T that, that'll sort you out there fairly lively High taste, like high taste. But um, man, come over to me. I will sort you out, my friend. <laughs> Mark's all about the yellow flowers. He's even wearing one in his hair this morning. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, like I mean, the the cases that are coming out at the moment, and I and I don't want to drag it down too much, but um, the case coming out at the moment, I I don't. I think the publicans and say restaurants and all of that. News still has to come out, like, I mean, incubation's 14 days, so after the reopening, say, last, or sorry, two weeks, or last week, we won't really know for another week or so, but I think most of the cases are coming out of, say, if you look at the travel, but the other thing is people having house parties, and I mean, that is, I mean, that's, everyone knows, everyone was at a house party, everyone knows that social distancing is not going to happen. And I mean, it has implications on another side. We're going to discuss GEA in a moment, but I mean, it's going to have implications on everything and people just have to be responsible. And it was said, I mean, businesses are going to suffer by people acting deejit. And as a result, jobs are going to be lost. So just a little bit of responsibility. Don't be an Egypt and go to, I mean, publicans... TJ, I'm going to cut you off there, man. It sounds like I'm getting a lecture off my mother for going out when I shouldn't go out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's move on, lads. What's yeah, our next topic there, Anthony? He did bring up a point about the GA. He did bring up a point about the yeah. GA, which is something that we're going to go on to next anyway, so we're linking into that. Um, T, there's, there's a couple of changes going on this week with the, as regards to training in the GA. What's going on? 
Yeah, the guidelines were brought out um, for match day as club championship is coming back in most counties next weekend. Um, if anyone was ever involved with teams in Croke Park, it's, it's nearly the same rules that are being incorporated down. Uh, there's no more than nine subs allowed uh, on the pitch side. Uh, they're trying to avoid the use of dugouts. Uh, similar to the soccer, there's going to be a break after every 15, 20 minutes. Uh, so it's uh, nearly a break once a half uh, water break, which is going to be used tactically for managers as well. But it's because there's no permission for water carriers anymore uh, due to infection. Um, and also there's only a limit of five five officials on the sideline. So an awful lot of teams, if they have a big backroom panel, are going to suffer there as well. So yeah, it's getting serious now. They have to be clarification on it because most some GA pitches have dugouts side by side, and other pitches have dugouts on either side of the field. So there's going to be clarity on it. Uh, the concern that's coming out at the moment, and there are news this morning as well. There's another GA club after going into quarantine, um, for a case that's after breaking out in Dublin, that follows on from two in Cork, and there are also a case in Kilkenny as well. So. It's concerning times in a sense. It's great to have the GEA back, but um, it's kind of worrying that they seem to be um, cases coming out of the return to play as well. Yeah, so sum up. Well, we hope the pubs, the gyms and the GEA have their two hands on the, bo- on the hurl, guys, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Great yeah. to have Most them back, but uh, let's yeah. hopefully stay, stay back. That's it. Most importantly, the pubs, though, lads. I want, to, I, want to, I want that creamy pint. Man, we do a lovely pint of Guinness over here. Stop, Mark. Stop. Creamy. I'm not going to Belgium for pints. It, it's creamy. I go down to cameras. It's only four minutes away here, so. I'm not going to right. Belgium yet for pints. Yet for pints. Uh, yeah, you're going to go to Belgium for a big dirty waffle and then a pint of Guinness <laughs> after. Um, yeah. Right, guys. Moving on. It is time for the high ball. Hello. Hello. So this week on the high ball, guys, I was talking to one of Mark's friends the other day, one of Mark's famous <laughs> friends, you know, um, Mark has loads of friends. And um, we were talking, we got, just he mentioned something to me about sex education in schools. And we were talking about, we're of a similar age, you know, I'm 34 now, getting on. Um, but we were talking about how we didn't get any sex education in school. Um, And in particular, how it's kind of impacted our lives going forward and sort of how we've had to learn as we go, so to speak. And it just kind of, it got me thinking, it might be an interesting topic for us to discuss today because you're like, we'll say Mark and and Liam will be 10 years younger than me. Um, I don't like saying that, but that is the truth. And it just, we could kind of have a little bit of a chat about maybe how things have changed. Um, or maybe they haven't changed, um, or maybe things need to change, or are there things we can change, okay. basically. So, we'll say it's education in school, and I was there too. You can come in on this as well, because we're of a similar vintage. Um, it was non-existent, really, in our school. I mean, I did junior cert biology. That was about as much as education I, I got, and that basically, that basically, all it told me was how to impregnate another woman. It didn't actually teach me how, anything about protection or anything about... Um, respect or consent or anything like this, like you know, what about you? Did you? How was things in your school? 
well, they tried to address it in my school, but uh, no offence, the, the burning issue was the teachers that were trying to address it. You wouldn't, it's the last thing you want to hear from them. Um, being honest, I think if looking back on it, I think if they were to approach it another way and bring in people that are kind of specialized in that area um, instead of, and that's no offense to teachers. I mean, and I, I just, if you put yourself in the role of a teacher, would you be comfortable trying to discuss sex education with your students? Uh, well, is it not your job? Yeah, to a certain extent. But if you're a maths teacher and you're taking on, say, CSPE or um, something like that as well, and it's brought to you that, oh, we're going to have to, or say you're a year ahead or something like that, judging on my experience, I wouldn't say there would have been proper training on it compared to now. If you take, say, a class now, I wouldn't say to be the same level of training back then as they are now and I'm going back to say to mid mid to late 2000s like well I mean let's bring in Liam and Mark here on this then so because he, he would have you know gone to school a little bit after us so maybe things yeah. have changed in the meantime I mean it haven't changed for the better obviously because Liam's about 15 children that he's yet to know about Mark is probably he's getting close <laughs> to those numbers too but um what was it like when you were going to school games? Was, was there sex education? Was it talked um, about? Was it taboo? Was it even mentioned? Well, my memory when I was in sixth class, just before second school, I think it would have been 2007, eight. It was pretty much like people, like a teacher came in for like, like it could have been 20 minutes and to talk about how to uh, address your PP and what to do with it when a lady is in front of you. That was pretty much it. Like, but, um, but like I, I find myself not not myself though, but I don't like how the world is going. I think like pornography is, is such a it's one of the biggest industry in the world, better than movies and um like so many teenagers that are watching like these videos and they 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 think sex is like that where it's not really. Sorry about being a bit weird because I'm being put you're upon the spot now. This is the whole point of eyeball or getting a genuine reaction. Man. But um, with regards to the sex education, it was pretty, fairly poor. Like, I think porn is probably the best. Not, not the best. It was the, the only sex education I think people were getting. Which is and frightening, it really, to be fair. It really yeah. tainted um, young people's heads because it's, I, I, think, I, think it, it, I think it's awful. Yeah, 100%. Liam. Yeah, look, lads, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Mark here. Like, uh, I do. I remember say sixth class in primary school where this one came in for maybe twenty minutes, talked to the class about your your bit bobs, your birds and bees, <laughs> and then uh, and then after after that twenty minutes, the lads had to leave the room and chat to the to the girls for another twenty thirty minutes, and. Uh, you know, whatever was said in that room is an absolute mystery to me, lads. Uh, <laughs> to this day, um, I still don't know. <laughs> to this yeah. day, I still don't know. What happened in that uh, room? That's, that's a, what happened? That's a huge problem. <laughs> that's a huge problem because whatever guys have to hear, girls need to hear. And whatever girls need to hear, the guys have to hear. I mean, how does the understanding of each other improve if we keep it segregated? Well, it doesn't, but like in exactly. today, in today's day and age, how are you meant to have that uh, that talk 
basically of the the birds and the bees when you have more than two genders. Like I'm not trying to cause a rift here, but like it's not it's not a straightforward conversation anymore. Like there's so many no, avenues. It's, it's here, not. Like yeah, but I mean, is that not part of educating kids? Is to I mean, well, let's be start honest here. Like, conversation. Let's be honest here. It's hard to educate kids when you're not educated on it yourself. Yeah, but is that not where we're falling down as a nation? Do people not need to be educated about all the genders? I mean, not it's just it isn't just boy and girl anymore. I mean, yeah, we've we've so many genders. We've LGBTQI community. You know, I mean, it's 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 a great time to be alive, but we're absolutely making a balls of it as far as I'm concerned as regards educating yeah. our youth about what's going on and people are growing up and they don't even hear the word consent i mean that's the most basic the most basic uh term you could teach a child is that all parties have to be okay for something to happen and we're in a nation where consent isn't even mentioned you hear on the tv the odd time on a tv show and people are like oh jesus yeah isn't that a foreign concept uh excuse me uh (laughs) what are we doing just following on from that, Anthony, I mean, I, I didn't watch the show myself, but um, listening to about um, the show Normal People, I think if you're looking at sex education now, I say the younger people, even though they shouldn't be probably watching it according to their parents, but would be watching it because of the hype about it, would have learning more from that and especially around the line of consent. That's the big thing that came out of that was the actual consent aspect within it. So if people are learning more from, say, a show like that that's out there to make money, I won't lie to you. That's, that's what's behind the exact same as the porn industry and another avenue. But, I mean, if people are learning more from that, especially younger generations these days, it really shows where the education system's lacking in the form of that. But that's what really worries me. That's not really. That's what really worries me. Um, and it's having to hope people watch an episode of something in order to educate themselves. I mean, what kind of world is? That? I mean, look. Let me put it to you like this: We're in, living in a world right now where every child, probably from the age of eight upwards, has the internet. Has God only knows what content at their fingertips. And we're leaving them to grow up with these images, with these videos, with these scenarios in their head, thinking, oh, yeah, this is how the world works. When it isn't, because, like, in my opinion, a lot of the, a lot of the pornography industry to me is sick. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's fucked up, to be honest with you, to a lot of it. If we're how you leaving kids to learn from that, I think we're in trouble. Like, um, I, I'm friends with a lot of teachers and um, particularly close to a girl over in England and, and she's a primary school teacher and I'd love to know, uh, I'd love to know and ask her what are they teaching then over there. So I might ask him about that, I'd be curious. You know, yeah, don't... we could bring her on, to, we could bring maybe one of them onto the show in the couple next couple of weeks and actually have yeah. a chat maybe. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to be a perspective from them. <clears throat> yeah, because it, it was a conversation, as I say, that we were having and we were kind of thinking to ourselves like, yeah, I mean, it's, we're, we're a, we're a nation that's very awkward when it comes to sex. Um, and it's, it's, 
I mean, none of us will have openly talked about it. It's something that we kind of talk about with a few pints in you and you kind of like laugh about it. But it's never been seriously talked about. It's a subject that we need to start seriously talking about because at this point, people, young people are growing up with a completely screwed up image of what sex is in their mind as far as I'm concerned. Um, and uh, yeah, like, you know, should we be teaching it from primary school? Yep, I think so. Um, can I just ask this question? Do you think this comes on to the parents too, though, and not just the teachers? Like, because like the teachers already have a lot of pressure on them anyway. Like, they're doing their best. They have a lot on their plate. Like, I think a lot of this should come back to your parents as well. Like, teachers have a lot on their plate, but parents don't. Oh well, like you know what I mean. Like, it's the parents' child. Should they not be the ones more suited to this conversation? Is it not a joint effort, Liam? Ah, well, like, it should be, obviously. But, like, what you're after putting out here is that it's all teachers. Teachers, teachers, teachers. Yeah. No, no. Like, I'm saying it's about... That's no, the way no, no. coming across, though. It's the way it's well, then you're across. not listening to what I'm saying. No, we were listening what to you. What I'm saying is we need to be right. educators. We need to be educators on sex. Yeah, That's and it's saying. not... Not only your teacher isn't the only one that educates you, your coach educates you, your yeah. your your friends educate you, your parent your parents educate you. You don't just learn from your teacher, you learn every day, Anthony. Yeah, I agree. I agree yeah, with that hundred percent. But the way you're looking at this is, is tunnel vision, you're just placing it on the teacher. No, Everyone I'm saying has... if we bring it in, in schools, it opens the conversation at home as well. Because when you come home when you bring home a child from school, one thing's asked, what do you learn today? Child says, oh, we're talking about sex education today. It was really interesting. Oh, really? Tell us a bit about that. Okay, we'll have a conversation. It opens the conversation at home. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah, like... You see yeah, where I'm coming I, from? I agree with that as well. But, like, should you, should you not have that relationship with your child that they already feel comfy enough to bring up issues like that with you? Yeah, Without, you should. But we're all Irish, guys. We've all grown up in this country. Are you yeah, that well, comfortable with your parents to talk about this? I am, yeah. I am, yeah. I am. Maybe that's just me then, I wasn't, I mean I wasn't, yeah, I mean yeah. I would have loved to come home and actually said something went on in school today and I really want to talk to you about it, I would have yeah. I would have never done that because it was kind of like, it never came up in school, you know what I mean, like it's just something we never talked about. Yeah, look I, I agree with you here but like at the same time it's not just your school, it's not just your teacher that educates you, educates you. you, you learn every day from everything and like mm. As you said, like you don't have, you didn't have that when you you wouldn't come home and ask your parents about it. Like I, I feel comfy enough that yeah. I would. Now at the same time, it comes back to me. I'm an absolute idiot, lad. So I will ask a question to anybody. <laughs> well, we agree with that anyway. We can agree with mammy, that. Mammy, mammy, daddy. <laughs> in school, we they talked about bobs and bits. Why are they? They talked about bobs and bits. Uh, what are they? They talked about nuts and bolts and things. And uh, yeah. Can I just say one thing though? I, I, I Liam, can, Liam can agree for himself. Like I, I'm okay with sex education. I, I think I'm okay at it. Liam. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm, I'm well uh, experienced in the first. Uh, I am experienced. Well, according to Anthony and my uh, 15 kids, I'm. Uh, experienced. <laughs> yeah. I think you could do with a bit of education on it, guys. To be honest, but okay. So as a nation. Do we need to have our two hands in the horror, guys, as regards sex education? Does it need to start happening a bit earlier? Parents, we. teachers, everywhere. We. We, we. I think, yeah, it needs to happen by everyone, not yeah. just. Joint effort. One. Yeah, joint effort by everyone. Yeah, agree, agree. Sniper so, in the background, do you agree? 
I being honest, just one sharp point. I think it has to be led. Um, I know teachers. It sounded like they were getting a hard rack, but I mean the syllabus is set by the Department of Education, so I think there have to be a protocol put out to support both teachers and parents in yeah. education children. Absolutely, yeah. The leaders of our country need to lead. Um, I agree hundred percent. Um, and I think then it opens the conversation for everybody. And guys, on that. We have episode two wrapped up. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Uh, hopefully we um, have raised some interesting points for you there. And um, yeah, we'll be back in, in two weeks time with episode three. And we look forward to talking to you then. On behalf of myself, Mark, Liam and TJ. Good luck. Hands in the hurl. Au revoir. I'm glad that argument is over, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Two Hands in a Hurl podcast. podcast.